Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week, I had the most fun I've had watching a movie in a long time. I'll tell you why it was a bit of a freeing experience. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. Moonfall is as crazy as it sounds, and Michael Bay has a new movie out this weekend that looks pretty wild as well. I also went back into the world of Belgian detective Hercule Poirot for the newly arrived to Disney Plus, Death on the Nile. But first, it skipped the big screen in Canada because of COVID, but Moonfall is now available on Prime Video. I've made a shocking discovery. That thing pushed the moon out of orbit. We're planning a mission to attack this thing. This is a whole other level of insane. My freaking brain's just exploded. There's no need to panic. Not true. I didn't come this far to fail. Moonfall stars Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, John Bradley, and Michael Pena, and is directed by the master of disaster, Roland Emmerich. The story is ludicrous. It's centered around some astronauts and their families. The astronauts are Barry and Wilson, who years ago had a strange encounter in space, an alien of some sort that moves like the smoke monster and lost. Now it's years later and the moon is falling out of orbit. It's on a collision course with Earth and maybe that thing had something to do with it. Bradley, who plays uh, Sam Tarley from Game of Thrones, is a conspiracy theorist who believes he knows what's happening. He just has to try to convince the NASA types and they all have to come up with a plan to save the Earth. It's classic Classic Roland Emmerich. It harkens back to Independence Day, the day after tomorrow in 2012. It's the same formula with this ludicrous world-ending event befalling planet Earth and a core group of characters who come together to try to stop it. The characters are all former lovers or estranged families and all somehow tied together via the military, the scientific community, or as regular citizens who traffic in conspiracy theories. And some of them do the actual saving the planet stuff, while the others have smaller but nonetheless heroic moments saving each other. And everything works out in the end. Of course, to achieve the happy ending for maybe 80% of the characters who don't die, millions, or dare I say in this case, billions of people around the world have to die first. It's just insane. And they never acknowledge it. The ending's like, whew, that was a close one, eh? Billions of people have died. <laughs> Moonfall is the, it's it's crazy. It's the next logical step for Emmerich. I mean, he always has to heighten these movies. So when your starting point is Independence Day, and that was 25 years ago, it's bound to get pretty messy. So sure, the moon's going to crash into Earth. And even it just coming a little bit closer to Earth floods all the coast. You know, the highly populated coastal regions of the planet where probably at least half of all people live. And in this movie die. Uh, you know, 25 years ago, even if it was done with the special effects of that era, this would have been one of the top three movies of the year easily, but here in 2022 we're just all laughing at it. Um, I mean, nowadays, besides the fact that we've seen an endless stream of disaster movies, I think audiences sort of appreciate something a little more realistic, like last year's Greenland, the Gerard Butler movie about the comet that was coming to kill us. A similar story as far as the threat to life on Earth was concerned, but also grounded in reality. You know, what would everyone's reaction be? How would it actually look? All that kind of stuff. And it was a natural phenomenon, something that is easy for us to sort of get behind and believe could plausibly happen. The stuff going on with the moon and moonfall is so beyond bonkers that you just can't take any of it remotely seriously. Even though it seems like most of the characters seem to, I, th I think John Bradley is the only one who got the memo that this is supposed to be a, a fun movie. 
as ludicrous as it is. Although, while I appreciated his energy and levity, he also started getting on my nerves with increasing frequency as the movie went along. Um, but at least he was having fun. I feel like Halle Berry and Patrick Wilson were not having as much fun. This had to be a paycheck movie for them. Uh, some of the Wilson scenes near the end especially really feel like his subtext is, you know, can we just get on with this and end the movie already? <laughs> um, Halle Berry, by the way, she hasn't aged at all. She looks amazing. It's weird because... At first, I thought she looked kind of weird. At the beginning, there's the, the flashback scene to 10 years ago, and I think maybe they were trying to digitally de-age her or something in that. Something about it seemed very off, but then when they come to the present day 10 years forward, she just she looks great. So none of the other characters were remotely interesting, not even Michael Pena, who's usually great and who was trying his hardest to make something out of nothing as the stepdad to Wilson's kid. It's kind of disappointing because one of the things Independence Day, for example, has going for it is that it's filled with interesting characters, even if a lot of them are just two-dimensional. Here, there's just nothing. There aren't even, you know, that guys in the supporting roles. Again, Independence Day was stacked with that guys. Every single role was an actor you'd seen in a bunch of stuff. Here, I didn't recognize hardly any of the faces. So, I don't know, maybe that was just a budget thing. I think the budget hurt some of the special effects as well. Uh, not in space so much as back on Earth. There's a car chase scene at one point that just looks like a video game. Like, nothing about it looked photorealistic whatsoever. In the end, though, you know, I thought it was a fun throwback to those other Roland Emmerich movies. And as silly as it all was, the formula I found kind of cozy and comforting. So I legitimately enjoyed watching it more than I thought I would, which isn't saying much. But uh, overall, bad movie, but worth a try. And, you know, if you've got... Uh, Prime Video is free. Why not check it out? I will give Moonfall Brett two and a half couch cushions out of five. By the way, there is a book, and I actually have it. Somebody bought it for me like 10, 15 years ago, and it's called, hey, it's that guy, the fametracker.com guide to character actors. Actually, wow, this book came out in 2005, so I guess I've had it close to 20 years now because I think... Uh, I was going to call him J.K. J. Jonah Jameson, <laughs> uh, but J.K. Simmons, I think, is one of the actors on the cover. But uh, so that's yep. a great point that you make about Independence Day. I uh, my relationship with Roland Emmerich movies has evolved in a rather interesting way. Part of it, I think, has to do with just my age, because when Independence Day came out, I was 19 years old, so I didn't really care give a rip about good art, right? I just wanted to watch things explode. So when Independence Day came out, it, well, it didn't just blow my mind. I think it blew everyone's collective mind because it had extraordinary visual effects. We had that one-two punch that year, right, with Twister, which had done, which did something with tornadoes that we'd never seen on screen. And then Independence Day shows up and blows up the White House and blows up a whole bunch of other move, uh, buildings, and it looked awesome. And uh, then... The day after tomorrow, I think, was the next one. And um, terrible movie. Yeah, it really. And even at that point, I thought this is not very good. Uh, but the the visual effects were still fun. And 2012 came along, also a pretty dumb movie, but still really fun. I think it's just a little way not a little. It's way too long in the tooth. It has too many unnecessary subplots and supporting characters that in the end really mean nothing to the story and uh, but it was still cool like seeing the destruction that we saw in that it was quite impressive then independence day resurgence comes along where the ship the alien ship is like a third of the size of the earth 
or I don't know exactly what the dimensions are, but it covers when it, it <laughs> lands on the planet, it covers so much ground, it's insane. And when it's hovering over the planet, it actually creates its own gravity. So buildings are getting pulled out of the ground and then they're toppling back down to the ground. And it's just gotten to the point now with that movie and with Moonfall that the movies have gotten so big, as you pointed out, he has to sort of heighten the disaster every single time. Even though the visual effects are impressive and what we're seeing is horrifying, it's it just I feel like it, it just gets lost because it's just gotten so big and this is what we expect from Emmerich. It's just big and it's loud. And uh, as you pointed out, because we don't see the stakes of what's happening, we don't see the people being affected by it. We just we see water get washed over the land, but we don't see the real destruction. Um, so, yeah, uh, <laughs> I knew going into this that it was going to be dumb. But I thought, what the heck, yeah. I'm going to give this a shot because Emmerich movies are still fun. And I did have fun for the most part. I think... I wish this movie, though, was not a Roland Emmerich movie. Like, I wish a serious director was doing this because I, I, it's a pretty neat story. I think the, while it's kind of insane to think about the moon falling out of orbit, what if, what if the moon were to fall out of orbit? Having a serious director tackle that and, and really try to realistically portray what would happen. Because, like, even remember in, um, oh, shoot, what was that Jim Carrey movie where he plays God? Bruce Almighty? Yeah, there's that one scene where he like reaches out and sort of pulls the moon a little bit closer to the planet, and then there are horrific floods all around the world. So like it, the the notion that the moon falls out of orbit—that's a scary thought. And even the stuff that happens after that, where it goes really bonkers, I still thought this is still a pretty interesting story. But because Roland Emmerich is directing it, it's kind of. Well, it's a Roland Emmerich movie, so I will agree with your assessment. Two and a half couch cushions out of five for me as well. Look, it's a silly movie, but it's fun. It does, I mean, look, the visual effects are still pretty cool. And uh, you don't really require a lot of brain power to watch this. Can't remember how long it was. Um, what was the length of this? Two hours, it ten was minutes. Under, oh, two ten, okay. But that's, probably, that's with long. credits, right? So it probably clocked in under two hours. From start to finish, uh, like from the time the movie's done. So two and a half couch cushions out of five from both of us for Moonfall, now available on Prime. And in a moment, we are going to go from one big, loud, noisy director to another in Michael Bay. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. A few new movies in theaters this weekend. Michael Bay is back with the movie starring a vehicle that does not transform into a robot. It's called Ambulance. 32 million. I am giving you the world. You are all going to have the greatest story to tell at dinner tonight. Go, go, go. Stop. What do you want? I'm going to need you to help us. I didn't sign up for this. Tell me. This is not the planet. We don't stop. We don't stop. Ambulance stars Jake Gyllenhaal and Yahya Abdul-Mateen II as bank robbers who steal an ambulance when their heist goes awry. That is the verbatim description from IMDb. Nothing more, nothing less. The trailer and commercials are just them careening through the streets of L.A. in the stolen ambulance trying to evade capture. Mayhem ensues, or should we say, bayhem ensues. Yeah! 
<laughs> this is Michael Bay's first movie uh, since the 2019 Netflix movie Six Underground, and his last theatrical film was Transformers The Last Night. In fact, he's mostly made Transformers movies the past 15 years. So Ambulance is a bit of a throwback to his uh, quieter by some standards day, his standards days, uh, blowing stuff up small scale and things like Bad Boys and The Rock. Uh, if you would have told me 15 years ago that in 2022 I'd be excited for a new Michael Bay movie starring Jake Gyllenhaal, I would have laughed in your face, but here we are. <laughs> That's right, because you used to hate Jake Gyllenhaal. You know what? I used to hate Jake Gyllenhaal because of that, that Roland Emmerich movie, The Day After Tomorrow. <laughs> I hated that movie so much, it poisoned me against Jilly for years. I love him now. It's all good. This this movie, Ambulance, looks incredibly exciting. And the, for a Michael Bay movie, the reviews are good. It's at 68% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, one of the headlines there said, if you're nostalgic for the action movies of the late 90s and early 2000s, this fits the bill. So I am nostalgic for that. So hopefully this will fit the bill. I can't wait. I do have my ticket already bought. I'll have much more to say next week about Ambulance. I could use some help. How much do you need? 231. How about more? You get in there now? It's ours. You're my brother. I love you. Have I ever gotten you anything that I couldn't get you out of? Get out! Stop! I got a cop shot. I gotta get him to the hospital. I gotta get back to my life and my son. We're not the bad guys. We're just the guys trying to get home. Ambulance, a Michael Bay film. I didn't even know this movie existed until I saw the spot during the Super Bowl, and I immediately got excited as well because, yeah, this looks yeah. more like old school Michael Bay. Um, did you ever watch Six Underground, by the way, on Netflix? I never did get around to that one. Maybe I should check that out still. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds stars in that, and it's about, uh, well, I'll just read the description of this one. Six individuals from all around the globe, each the very best at what they do, have been chosen not only for their skill, but for a unique desire to delete their pasts to change the future. Um, that's, yeah, I guess that's all you really need to know. It's six people who go around doing really crazy things, and the the first 20 minutes alone... Make it worth it. The, the movie overall is okay, but the first 20 minutes are vintage Michael Bay. Maybe the craziest thing I've ever seen him put on film. And it's very colorful as well, so that's a lot of fun. Now I want to watch that movie again, actually. <laughs> uh, also out this weekend, a couple of more big movies, including Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Sonic the Hedgehog. You're no match for me. Uh, boy. This is your moment to be the big hero. Oh, great, the Winter Soldier. <laughs> it is my destiny to destroy you. Work smarter, not harder. That wasn't too bad. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog 2, April 8th. So it's the sequel to the movie that came out February 12th, 2020, so just before the pandemic, based on the classic Sega video game about the hedgehog who runs really fast. Jim Carrey plays Dr. Robotnik, and this time he's got a new partner, voiced by Idris Elba, Knuckles, who appears to be Sonic's rival. Looks like fun. 60, the first movie had uh, 63% on the Rotten Tomatoes, and I'm just looking to see what... Uh, we've got for Sonic the Hedgehog 2, uh, 66%. Uh, so about the same. So it looks like fun. Look, you don't, who cares what the reviews say? If you like Sonic the Hedgehog, you're going to go see this. And this last one looks nuts. It's called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. What's happening? Evelyn, I'm not your husband. 
I'm another version of one from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. Uh, no time to help you. Across the multiverse. You know what? We'll stop it there because that's all you need to know. The multiverse, but this is not a Marvel movie. Michelle Yao stars in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. It's about an interdimensional rupture that unravels reality. And she is the unlikely hero who needs to fix everything because she can somehow channel all of her different abilities through each version of her in the multiverse. It also stars Kihi Kwan, who played Short Round in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and then he later was in The Goonies, and he's back in the movies after like 20 years off. This movie has a 97% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It looks so much fun. So this is actually I a got my good tickets weekend. already. Do you really? Yeah, I got my... I do. I bought tickets for this one, too. So um, we may not be able to go, but hopefully we can go. We do got tickets already, so hopefully I can talk more about it next week. Okay, and in a moment, I'm going to tell you why I had so much fun. We already mentioned Ryan Reynolds. Well, he might have something to do with this movie I found particularly enjoyable. Details next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. In a moment, I'm going to tell you about the movie that made me smile from ear to ear this week. But first, got to give you a heads up that we already told you what new movies are out this weekend, but there is an interesting new show that is making its way to Crave. It comes from HBO Max. It actually debuted on Thursday, April 7th, so we're recording on Thursday, April 7th, but you might be hearing this on the weekend. So it starts on Crave on Thursday, and it's a weird rollout for this. Three episodes on day one, and then two episodes next week, two the week after that, and then one more episode for the finale. So this thing is going to be over by April 28th, and um, it is about... Hang on, where did I put the... Uh, oh, there, there's the synopsis. Jake Adelstein, an American journalist, plugs into the Tokyo Vice Police Squad and descends into the neon underbelly of Tokyo. And it stars Ansel Elgort as Jake. And Ken Watanabe is uh, one of the central uh, characters as well. Looks pretty cool. So just check out a trailer for that. And you might want to check out that show on Crave. But we talked about how we watched Moonfall. I watched it last Friday, but earlier on Friday, I finally got around to watching this. What if you discovered your entire world was a game? No, it's a video game. Is this what recreational drugs feel like? In two days, the game is going to shut down. What if we can save it? Everybody down on the ground! Hi. This isn't you. You don't do this. Maybe I do. We that mother. He's just resting. And please. Rated BT-13, August 13th, only in theaters. Free Guy, starring Ryan Reynolds. It debuted in theaters in August of last year. Landed on Disney Plus back in February, and I have been meaning to watch it ever since. Just haven't gotten around to it, but I felt like watching a movie on Friday, and I definitely knew that I wanted something light and fun. So I started scrolling through the various services. That's the inevitable problem. What am I going to watch? So I started scrolling through Prime, and I'm looking at Netflix, and I'm looking at Crave, and then I... Finally see Free Guy on Disney Plus. 
And I had this Darth Vader moment, like from The Empire Strikes Back, when he says, that's it. He just knew the rebels were there on Hoth. Just like, I knew this was the movie to watch, and wow, did I have fun! So that's why I wanted to tell you about it, because it's not a new movie. It's been available on home video for a couple of months now, but who cares? Um, I went in with no expectations. Not that I was expecting it to be bad. I mean, it's got an 80% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It made... $331 million worldwide, so it was a hit. And Jeff, um, you saw it, didn't you? Yeah, I supplied uh, maybe a good portion of that uh, worldwide box office because I went to see it twice, as it turned out, once for our purposes and once with uh, my girlfriend and the kids, and it was we enjoyed it. I know we went six for six. We all just loved it, and it's, it's just a fun movie. Like you said, it was... And it's light, and it's got some really like heavy sci-fi stuff going on, but it's presented in such a palatable way that people that say they don't like sci-fi actually enjoy this movie and don't realize that they're taking in all these weird kind of, uh, frankly, very trippy premise to this film. Um, it, yeah, it's fun. It's exactly up Van Wilder's lane there. Of what's his what's his name? I keep calling him Van Wilder. Forgot his name. Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. There Van you go. Wilder. I, I can never remember that guy's name. Um, it's just right up Ryan Reynolds alley. Like this is, he's built for a movie like this, or they made the movie just to suit him just fine. Cause it's a perfect fit that he, he plays like a, a noble guy, a, a guy who isn't dumb, but can also be very naive and look, you know, wide eyed and innocent when he has to. So, uh, and the action is, it was really cool. And it's a visual feast for the eye because it's mostly inhabits in this video game world kind of thing. It's just a lot of fun. Like you said, it's a lot of fun, and it's uh, I highly recommend it, just like you. By the way, Ryan Reynolds, uh, just a side note on him, if you see any headlines about one of the worst Marvel movies ever made uh, trending on Netflix, that's in the U.S. because they recently added the Blade movies, Blade 1 and 2, and then Blade Trinity, and Ryan Reynolds was a co-star in Blade Trinity, and it was actually his appearance in that movie that got him into the other superhero movies where they're like, he would be perfect for Deadpool, and then he did the Green Lantern movie, and then they, because he started as Deadpool in that X-Men, awful X-Men Origins Wolverine movie before they finally did the proper Deadpool adaptation, but it was Blade Trinity that got him in there. But that that's not on Netflix in Canada. You can watch the first two Blades on Prime, but Blade Trinity, as far as I can tell, is not available on any streaming service. But it's not a very good movie, so you're not missing all that much. I'm kind of curious to watch it again, though. It's been years since I watched it. But anyway, uh, Free Guy. Yeah, so quick recap in case you have no idea what this movie is. Ryan Reynolds plays Guy. He's a bank teller. His best friend is a security guard, and every day they just get up, go to work, happy to live the same exact day every day. While outside their bank, they're always seeing weird people wearing sunglasses dressed in bizarre costumes, and they're all killing each other with all manner of crazy weapons. And Guy never questions anything, just smiles and nods until one day he does question it. And that's when he learns he's in a video game. He is an NPC a non-player character. He teams up with Jody Comer, a gamer who goes by Molotov Girl in the game. Uh, she, by the way, is an Emmy winner for her work in Killing Eve. And uh, so he begins to level up. And as it turns out, he might be the one thing that could take down the big, mean, real-world boss of the game, who is hilariously played by Taika Waititi. 
there wasn't really anything to dislike about this movie. I thought it was just super fun. It had tremendous writing and dialogue, a simple but effective story, a thrilling climax. It was surprisingly touching. About the only complaint, and I'm being nitpicky here, but the trailers made this look like it was going to be a visual feast, like something potentially nothing I've ever seen since it's inside a video game. Sky's basically the limit on what they can do visually. But I do think that every visual effects shot in this movie was, in fact, in the trailer. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. It actually means they took time to tell a story rather than just make it a visual effects feast. But I still felt a little ripped off. Then eventually it felt like it had almost too much visual effects at the end. Whatever. Like I said, I'm nitpicking. And um, there's a character they introduce late in the movie called Dude. One of the best written characters in the movie. So funny. I guess I don't sh- probably shouldn't say anything else about that. Just if you watch this movie, watch out for Dude. He's really clever. And uh, it's a his, the Dude gag. It's a perfect comedy gag that does not overstay its welcome. And neither does this movie. Like Pete Davidson on SNL this week, he led a skit about short... I'll just say short movies. So much so that Netflix in the U.S. actually created that as a category... Netflix Canada, by the way, has a category called 90-minute movies. I'm not sure if that's new or not, like if that was in reaction to the SNL thing or not, but whatever. But if you want a short movie, Free Guy works nicely. Clocks in officially at 1 hour 55 minutes, but with 10 minutes of credits, it's really like an an hour 45. It's not a world-changing movie. It's just fun. Lots and lots of fun. And if you've ever played video games at any point in your life, you will find something to appreciate the various gaming gags they include because there's stuff in there for gamers of all ages that will make you smile. I I know that I very much enjoyed that component of it. So I'm going to give Free Guy four couch cushions out of five. So if you've never seen it, you want something fun, either just for yourself or for your family, it is on Disney+. Plus. Up next, we're going to take a ride to the Nile on the Orient Express, and Jeff... He went back to Gotham again. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. And I watched a lot of movies, as it turned out, this week. We what we already told you about Moonfall on Prime. I watched Free Guy on Disney+. And while I was on Disney+, I saw that they recently, in fact, just last week, added a new movie that actually just came out in theaters back in February, on February 11th, Death on the Nile. <laughs> Someone is dead. The crime is murder. The murderer is one of you. Were you aware of any grudges? Madame is used to getting what she wants. Never again is what she I don't feel safe here. I don't feel safe with any of that. There are so many conflicting hates and jealousies. Oh, I like this. Did you see or hear anything? I did not trust her. I still don't. What did you do last night? You accused me of murder. He accuses everyone of murder. It is a problem, I admit. Death on the Nile. It's <laughs> Belgian sleuth Hercule Poirot, the wonderful character created by Agatha Christie so many years ago. The book was published in 1937, and this is set on a 
glamorous river steamer. It's basically like a cruise ship, and it's uh, they're on the Nile in Egypt, and it becomes a murder mystery. And it is it's got a solid cast. Kenneth Branagh plays the sleuth. Gal Gadot is in this. Annette Bening, Army Hammer, Russell Brand, and many more, including Emma Mackey, who at first I thought is that Margot Robbie. I should know better because she's in one of my favorite shows. She's one of the main stars of Sex Education on Netflix, but I didn't recognize her in the movie because her hair looked really nice and she was wearing a lovely dress the first time she's on screen, whereas in the show she tends to look like, well, you know, a teenage girl, or at least an adult playing a teenage girl. But uh, this, I thought this movie was fun. It had beautiful scenery. I really enjoyed the, the river setting. I thought the good mystery and... Uh, the only thing that was kind of weird is it takes a long time to get to that mystery, but I was enjoying myself so much, I didn't really care. Much like Murder on the Orient Express, it felt like it was missing something. I don't quite know. Like, for a murder mystery, it was just missing that feeling of um, dread, I suppose. But it, it was fun, and I, I like the way Brana hams it up as Hercule Poirot. So I thought, you know what? Since I watched Death on the Nile... And I think I'm going to give that uh, three and a half couch cushions out of five. That's a fun watch. I figured I'll go back and watch Murder on the Orient Express. Well, he was in perfectly good health. He, he had his enemies. Indeed, he was murdered. God, murder here. God rest his soul. Someone was rummaging around my cabin in the middle of the night. No one would listen to me. If there was a murder... What is going on? Then there was a murderer. The murderer is with us. And every one of you... He's a suspect. And who are you? My name is Hercule Poirot, and I'm probably the greatest detective in the world. So this came out in 2017, based on the book that was published in 1934. So instead of being set on a boat, this one is on a train, and it's a lavish train ride through Europe. And it is, again, beautiful scenery throughout this film superb cast. Judy Dench, Michelle Pfeiffer, or Michelle Pfeiffer, as we like to say, Penelope Cruz, Olivia Coleman, Daisy Ridley, Willem Dafoe, Josh, D- Johnny Depp, Josh Gad, Leslie Odom Jr., and more. And the, the, the great thing about this, watching it a second time, I had no memory. Like, I watched this in 2018, 2019. I had zero memory of who done it or even who died. So for all intents and purposes, I was watching this movie again for the first time, and it has an incredible conclusion. It's really not like it's remarkable that not like nothing I've ever seen in a murder mystery. So I enjoyed this one more the second time out than I did the first time. I was a little disappointed the first time. So I'm going to give them both three and a half couch cushions out of five. They're both available on Disney Plus, and they're both around two hours. So again, if you're not you don't want to watch a long movie, these are good. But speaking of long movies, Jeff oh Long. yeah. I saw a very long movie. I saw The Batman, which is three hours long, for the third time this week. It is time. The day of judgment is finally up. The killer left this for the Batman. Why is he writing to you? You're part of this, too. How am I part of this? You'll see. Ah! 
Gotta say, this thing is something of a masterpiece among superhero movies, I think. Batman teaming up with Lieutenant Gordon and Catwoman to track down the Riddler as the Riddler kills Gotham's elite. They've made something that is both epic in terms of plot and running time and still grounded in terms of character and action. I was worried that after going through the mystery parts the first time I saw it, that repeat viewings would not be as rewarding, but they are. The noir style really carries the movie, so even knowing what lies ahead doesn't detract from it at all because it's just so dang cool to look at and to listen to again the soundtrack from michael giacchino is amazing i actually bought it this week i've been listening to it on my headphones all week long and when i drive and trying not to speed as i listen to it um while a lot of superhero movies you know feel like they only supply a story to take up space between action scenes the batman is mostly concerned with its plot and the action feels like it just springs up naturally the only time the movie feels like it's adding some action just for the sake of adding it might be the car chase. I mean, it's hard to have a Batman movie without a Batmobile chase. So you sort of know that they have to put it in, even though even still it's, it's just so freaking cool and well done that it didn't bother me at all. The three hours seem to go by faster every time I see it. I'm not sure how they're pulling that off. Maybe it's because I know how it all is going to play out and I know what all has to happen before the movie can end. Uh, the bit, only question that remains really is where this movie's going to stack up in the pantheon of Batman movies. And frankly, I think it is in the fight for first place, Brett. I'll, I'll reserve judgment for now because it is still very new. Time will tell. And I also think ultimately it might not be able to dethrone the Dark Knight, if for nothing else, than the fact that, you know, Heath Ledger's Joker in that movie is just that good. I actually haven't watched those Christian Bale Batman movies in a few years. I should rewatch them and see how I feel. It does feel good, though, to have this new Batman movie that's in the discussion for the best ever. I like the the, the Zack Snyder movies, but they're so much more comic booky as things, you know, are bound to be when Superman and assorted other aliens are involved. And that's cool that there can be different versions. The Batman is the first Batman in a decade to be of the gritty, grounded variety. And it's about as solid as they come. I, I've been, I stand by my four couch cushions out of five rating for it. I can't wait for June when it, the Blu-ray comes out and I can watch it again. I still have to see it. <laughs> I don't know what I'm waiting for. I really don't. I just, I'm not afraid to go to the movie. I'm not like worried about the pandemic or anything. I just can't seem to get motivated to leave my it's home. A good, it's good to be in the theater, uh, mostly for the sound for this one. It's just, the, besides the score, it's just the sound in general. It just blew, blew my mind. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.